0: man saw a friend of his that he had not seen in some while. And so he said to his friend, How is your wife? And the fellow replied, I thought you knew. She's in heaven. He said, Oh, I'm sorry. And then he thought, That didn't sound right. And so he said, "Well, oh, I guess I mean, I'm glad. Well, then he thought about That, that didn't sound so good either. And so he said, well, what I really mean, I, I guess I mean I'm surprised. <laughs> well, that didn't help either. And the more he spoke, the, the deeper the hole he dug. He would have been better off just to keep silent. Have you ever been in that situation where, the, where you said the wrong thing and then trying to straighten it up, you made it worse, and one bad thing led to another? That's just an illustration. But I tell you, it's, it's no joke. Talking too much can get us in trouble. But on the other hand, not talking when we need to can get us in trouble too. And so it is important to strike a proper balance. What we say is so important. In the reading that Larry read for us just a few moments ago from Matthew chapter 12, in verse 36, Jesus said, Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That's just how important it is that we say the right things at the right time and in the right way. The wise man Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 7, there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. We want to use that statement from Ecclesiastes 3, verse 7 as the basis of our study this evening. We want to talk about our words, when to keep silent and when to speak. It's an important thing for us to consider. I hope we can say some things that will be uh, helpful and encouragement to us all. As we get ready to start into that study, we stop just momentarily to say thank you for all who are present. Uh, As Lee said earlier, we're glad for our visitors. We hope you'll come back whenever you have a chance to be here. Uh, As we always say, if you have questions about what we're doing or what we're teaching, please ask, and we'll be glad to study with you. But we certainly appreciate the presence of everyone here this evening. Solomon said, There is a time to keep silence. There is a time to speak. And so let's talk about both aspects of that. First of all, let's talk about when we need to be silent. There's some times when we just simply shouldn't be talking. We need to keep silent. For instance, it is very wise counsel to be quiet when you're angry, to not speak out of anger. seems that there are some people who sort of pride themselves in having a short fuse. They actually act like that's something good. And you'll hear them say things like, boy, I really straightened him out, or I gave her a piece of my mind. I really told him off. Those kinds of expressions. What they don't realize is they're simply saying that they've not been acting in wise fashion. If they were wise, they would have kept silence until they had cooled off and got their anger under control. In James chapter 1, verse 19, beginning, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. When we react in anger, we are typically not doing what we ought to do. We're not being wise. We need to keep quiet until we've got ourselves emotionally under control. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17, it says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. If you act out of anger, you're more than likely going to do something you'll be sorry for later. Even the words you speak in anger very often are wrong and hurtful, and bear an evil consequence later on, be silent when you're angry until you can control that emotion. We need to be silent when we don't know all the facts. You know, we've seen some courtroom trials covered fairly heavily in the news recently, and you know that... Uh, one of the things that they do right at the start of a trial is that they have to question potential jurors to select and seat the jurors who will hear the case. Uh, the story is told of a particularly notorious fella who had been arrested and was being put on trial. And one of the, one of the potential jurors was asked, do you believe that a person is innocent until proven guilty? And this juror said, well, Generally speaking, yes, but in this case, no. In other words, this person had already judged that this fellow was guilty and he didn't have to hear the facts before making that determination. Well, that's unfortunate. Our justice system is based upon the idea that no decision is made, no verdict is rendered until all the facts have been heard. Now, that's the way it's supposed to work, but it doesn't always happen that way. I'm sad to say that even in the church sometimes... There are some who are willing to talk before they have heard all the facts, and typically when that happens, trouble results. It is, it is simply a, a statement of fact that there are at least two sides to every story. We need to hear all the facts before we make a determination, before we begin talking about uh, the situation. So keep silent when you don't know all the facts. In Proverbs chapter 18 verse 13, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. It's a foolish thing to speak before you've heard all the, the matter, heard all the facts of the case. In Proverbs 18 verse 17, it says, He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. Now, I like a, a newer translation here. It says, The first one to plead his case seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. And again, it is the point. Don't make up your mind until you've heard all of it discussed. Make sure you get all the facts. You shouldn't be talking before you know what you're talking about. It's a good time to keep silent if you don't know all the facts. Another time when we need to be silent is when matter is not any of our business. I think it's it, it is common for people to be talking about something that they don't know about It's also common, maybe even more common, for people to try to talk about things that actually are none of their business. And that also causes lots of trouble. I think maybe underlying the fact that people want to talk about things that are none of their business is the problem of pride. People feel like they have a right to know and should know everything that's going on. That's simply not the case, especially in the church. In the church, I don't need to know everything. I don't have a need to know everything I don't have a right to know everything. For some reason, people in the church think whatever there is to be known, they have a right to know it. That's just simply not the case. Sometimes it's the business of other people and I'm not involved and I should let it be so and not talk about it if it's not my business. Sometimes, for instance, it's the business of the elders to deal with a certain situation. I should let that alone. I shouldn't be talking about it when it's not my business to be talking about it. In Proverbs chapter 26, verse 17 it says, he that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. Oh, I think that's a clever way of saying it. You take a dog by the ears, you're asking for trouble. You're likely to get bit. And if you stick your nose in where it doesn't belong, if you meddle with things not belonging to you, you're liable to get in trouble. Do you remember the rebuke that Jesus gave to the Apostle Peter? Uh, Jesus had been predicting some things about what was going to happen to Peter. And Peter, it says in John 21, verse 20, Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, uh, seeing John, said, uh, said to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus said to him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And so Peter sees John. Jesus has been saying, This and this and this is going to happen to you, Peter. And Peter said, Well, what about John? And Jesus' answer to him is, What is that to the that's none of your business, basically. You just pay attention to what you're supposed to be doing. And that's really good advice for us all. We should keep silence when a matter is none of our business. We should keep silent when we're tempted to gossip. I I really believe that this is a huge issue that we all have to pay attention to. There is a just basic tendency of most of us to love to have something juicy to tell, some some bit of news. We want to leave the impression that we have some sort of insider information that nobody else knows. We just love to be the first to tell something, and it boils down very often to the problem of gossip. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27, an ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. Notice that last expression. In his lips there is as a burning fire. He just can't wait to tell it. He is a gossip. We need to keep quiet. When this temptation to gossip hits us, and it does fairly frequently, we need to keep silence. We need to keep silence when the words that we speak have the potential to cause strife. Several of the things we just mentioned have the potential to cause strife. There's the potential to cause strife when you're talking and you don't know what you're talking about. There's the potential to cause strife when you're talking about things that are none of your business. There's a the potential to cause strife when what you're talking about amounts to nothing more than gossip. And if our words have the potential to cause strife for any of those or other reasons, we need to be careful of what we say. Uh, it's unfortunate that there are some people in the church who don't seem to care that what they do and say can cause trouble. It seems like they're not worried about it, that it's not a concern to them that their words and their actions could cause trouble in the church. It's like they don't care if there's trouble in the church. Some people seem to even enjoy that sort of thing, it seems to me. But we all need to be reminded of the very familiar passage in Proverbs 6, beginning verse 16, "...these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him." a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. If what you're doing can cause trouble and spread it, if you have the potential for causing strife, you need to measure your words. Keep silent. Don't speak when you have that potential consequence to your words that is causing strife we need to be silent when it's time to listen i've always heard and you have too uh someone said god gave us one mouth and two ears and we ought to listen at least twice as much as we speak you've heard that expression before i heard another variation on that recently god made us with our mouths that can be closed and our ears that can't be closed isn't that interesting you can't close your ears but you can close your mouth. And so there's the challenge. Keep your mouth under control. Uh, we can never be good counselors or helps to others if we don't develop the skill of listening. You know, very often when we're engaged even in religious discussions with people, uh, we don't take time to listen to what they're saying and therefore we get busy answering questions they haven't even asked. We need to be able to listen. You've got to stop talking. Be silent and learn to listen. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1, a wise son heareth his father's instructions, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. Those who can't listen are not wise. And finally, we need to keep silent when it's time to get to work. In Proverbs 14, verse 23, in all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury or poverty. Have you ever heard someone described as a person who's all talk, no action, all talk, no work. Well, let that never describe us. Let us be wise enough to be silent when it's time to get busy and get to work. And so there are several times. Solomon said there's a time to keep silence. Now, you may be able to add to the list that we've put up there, but you get the idea. If we're careful if we if we are of an understanding heart, we realize that there are lots of times when we just need to be still. Be silent. Don't speak. Remember, Jesus said you're going to be judged by your words. That being the case, uh, we need to be careful to not be talking when we shouldn't talk. And there's a lot of applications to that principle. Now, having said that, the other side of that coin is, of course, that there is a time when we need to speak up. Solomon said there is a time to speak I want to uh, suggest a couple verses from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11: A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. In other words, a, the right word at the right time, a word fitly spoken, is very good, very precious. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 23. Proverbs 15 verse 23 says. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word fitly, or excuse me, a word spoken in due season, uh, how good it is. In other words, a word spoken at the right time, an appropriate word at the right time is a pleasant thing. So there is a time to speak up. Now, we just tried to catalog some times when we need to try to keep silent. How would you catalog some, some times when we need to speak up? Well, let me suggest to you, we need to speak up when there's a worthy cause that needs to be defended. When when a defense of what's right and proper and true is needed, we need to speak up. There's the old expression that silence is golden. That's true sometimes, but sometimes being silent is just... Someone said sometimes being silent is just yellow. It's not golden, it's yellow. It means that you're not brave enough, you're not courageous enough to speak up in defense of something that's right and proper. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1, verse 17, I am set for the defense of the gospel. And we know the life of the Apostle Paul, we know he never wavered from speaking up to defend the truth of God, to say what needed to be said, when it needed to be said. We need to imitate him. When the truth is at stake, when error is being promoted, we need to speak up in defense of a worthy cause. That's a time to speak. Certainly, in close association with that, we need to speak up at every opportunity to teach the gospel. Have you ever heard someone use the expression, my life is my sermon? Uh, The idea of that, when people say that or something like it, they're saying, well, I may not go out and teach people. I just try to live right. I just try to live right and let people see my life and my example. I try to teach by my example. I may not go out and actually try to engage people in conversations about God, but I try to live right. I let my life be my sermon. What do you think about that? Well, I would say that's good and even necessary. You know, you've got to be living a right example if you hope to influence people uh, in the right direction. But it's not enough. It's good and it's necessary, but it's not enough to say, I'm just going to live my life as an example before people. For instance, if you live a very good moral life, as a Christian should, uh, before your neighbor, that's, that's a, a fine thing. But if you never got busy telling your neighbor what he must do to be saved, he could never learn the plan of salvation, for instance, by just observing your moral life. Living a moral life is very important, but you've got to be willing to speak the words that teach them what they must do to be saved. And so uh, we should speak up at every opportunity to teach the gospel. You know the famous Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Jesus' Great Commission filters down to us today. We're still obligated to go and teach all nations, converting men uh, and bringing them out of sin and into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His Son. We, in the past, have talked about this progression of how the whole world could be converted in relatively short time if we all took seriously our obligation to be teaching lost people. If there were just one true Christian in the whole world and it took him a year to convert one other, at the end of one year there'd be two. If both of them did the same thing the next year, there'd be four. so after two years, there'd be four Christians. If they just kept doing that, after three years, there'd be eight, and the progression just continues. You know, if you do the math on that, in less than 40 years, the whole world, what is there, about 7 billion people in the world, the whole world could be converted if everybody, every Christian took seriously their responsibility just to teach one person every year. Of course, interestingly... We've got, we've already got way more than just one. We've got those, those sort of lean early years of that progression have already been taken care of. We're not starting with just one true Christian. We're starting with lots of true Christians already. And if we all did our job, we could convert the whole world in relatively short order if we would speak up and fulfill the Great Commission. Speak up at every opportunity to teach the gospel. We need to speak up when someone needs encouragement. Unfortunately, there are some people just not very good at encouraging others. They just they just can't seem to, to bring themselves to do that. Did you hear the story about this young preacher who was just starting out and he wasn't doing a very good job? It was pretty, pretty sad uh, what he was offering his sermons. And one old grouchy member came to him and said, Listen, young man, you can't preach and you need to just quit trying, give up. Well, of course, the fellow was really discouraged by that. He's quite discouraged by that. Another person came along and tried to make him feel better, said, listen, listen, don't worry about him. He just goes around repeating what he hears other people saying. Well, that's not much help, is it? No encouragement there. Some people just don't have the knack of encouragement. We need to develop that. We need to speak up when someone needs encouragement. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. We need to be the ones who can bring that good word, who can offer that encouragement when it needs. Speak up when you realize that others need encouragement. We need to speak up when a warning is needed. What if you saw a real dangerous situation and saw others who potentially could be harmed? Let's say, for instance, even tonight, you're driving home from services and you come upon a place where there's a bridge but the bridge has collapsed. The bridge is out. Uh, it has apparently just happened because there, there are, are no authorities on hand. The police have not arrived. There's no barricades or warning lights. You're on the first ones on the scene and there are cars coming. Those cars are full of people you don't even know. But what would you do? You'd get out there and do your very best to warn the oncoming traffic to stop before they proceeded into that danger where they could potentially be harmed physically. Anyone would do that. That's just common sense. We would speak up when a physical warning is needed. We need to speak up when a spiritual warning is needed as well. You remember the very familiar text in Ezekiel 3, beginning verse 17, that obligates us to be warning people of spiritual dangers. Ezekiel 3, beginning verse 17, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman into the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to, to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Ezekiel was told, you give the warning. Now, if you give the warning, you have discharge your responsibility. But if you don't give the warning, and these people are overtaken with this danger, I'm going to hold you responsible. Don't you believe there's a great application of that to us who know the truth of God and know the dangers that people are facing, both the lost in the world and and oftentimes our own brethren. They need to be warned. When we know, we need to speak up and give them that warning. We need to speak up when a wrong needs to be righted. Now, I think you all already know this drill. We say sometimes, you know the drill. Here's the drill. You know it already. The drill is this. If I have done wrong, I need to go correct it. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, verse 23, Therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Now, here's the scenario. I have wronged my brother. What do I got to do? I got to go to Him. I got to make it right. Even before I can attempt to worship God successfully, I need to make right the wrong that I've committed. So I need to go to Him. Now, the other side of that coin is stated in Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And then, a progr- you know, that text goes on to, to talk about a progression of how that would be dealt with. But, but in this case, I'm the one who's been wronged. But I still need to speak up. I know I need to go to the one who's wronged me and try to make it right. You've got to speak up when there's a wrong that needs to be righted. Whether I'm the one who's done the wrong or I'm the one who's been wronged, I need to speak up. If we let those kind of things linger and fester, they never get better on their own. They only get worse. We need to correct those things. Speak up when a wrong needs to be righted. We need to speak up when thanks needs to be expressed i don't know about you but it seems to me that we're living in an age when people are less and less grateful and and they don't even take the time to say thank you when a when a a good deed has been done for them let that never be true of us let us be the kind of people who speak up with gratitude when others have done good things for us thanks needs to be expressed. We need to speak up and give that thanks. In Colossians 1, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, "...we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." And five more times in the short book of Colossians, Paul talks about the need to give thanks. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, when Paul was describing the very immoral and corrupt and godless pagan world of that day, he says, "...because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful." One of the characteristics of that immoral pagan world was that they didn't have the very simple concept of gratitude and they didn't express their thanks. We need to speak up. When thanks is deserved, we need to express that thanks. And finally, we need to speak up when we have something worthwhile to say. Actually, this can kind of sort of catch both sides of the equation here. If you have something worthwhile to say, say it. Now, if you don't have something worthwhile to say... Keep silent. Talk when it's worthwhile. Keep silent when it's not worth saying. In Proverbs 17 verse 28, even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. So if you don't have anything worthwhile to say, keep quiet. But if you do have something worthy, then say it. Solomon said, there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. We need to learn. Both parts of that, both are essential, both are critical. We'll, we'll demonstrate ourselves to be wise individuals. We'll, be, we'll demonstrate ourselves to be the kind of people God wants us to be when we learn to keep our mouths shut when they should be shut, but when we speak up when such is necessary. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say and hope it's been an encouragement to us all. i got to tell you, this is certainly an area where I can make improvement uh, I, I suspect you would probably agree that you can improve in these areas as well. Uh, let's work at that. Let's prayerfully address this, see if we can improve ourselves in this regard. Thanks for your attention to what we've had to say. We're going to end the lesson with a song of invitation. If there are any here who need to make their life right with God, please let us know. If you're not yet a Christian, we urge you to obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. If you're a Christian already but you've fallen away, Come back to the Lord in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help you with those prayers, let us know. We'd be glad to assist you in any way while we stand and sing this song.